0: I would love for people to say, you know, at the end of my life, to say, you know, not, oh, wow, that was a great song, but to say, yeah, I, I engage with the Bible differently because, you know, I cross paths with this guy. That would be a great thing.
1: Welcome to First Person, a weekly one on one conversation with people who prompt us through their stories to give thanks to God for His faithfulness and love. I'm Wayne Shepard. You may have recognized the voice of Michael Card, who opened today's program with how he would like to be remembered someday. Mike Card has been a friend to me and to Joe Carlson, who produces First Person for many years. The three of us used to meet regularly in the studio at Mole End in Franklin, Tennessee, to record a weekly radio program, and we'll always remember those sessions for what they taught us about God's Word, creativity, and community. But before we begin today's conversation with Mike, let me remind you to visit our website, FirstPersonInterview.com. Today's program will be added to the archive. Again, that's FirstPersonInterview.com. Mike Card is well known for his songs, which are steeped in biblical story and truth. And recently, just before an event we both attended in Cleveland, Ohio, we sat down to talk. Mike, as long as we've known each other. Which is a long time. I don't think I have ever asked you. How do you introduce yourself? what who is Mike card? I mean, I've introduced you on radio yeah. for for 10 years I don't think I've introduced, longer. I don't think I've ever introduced myself. Who are you? When people ask me what I do,
0: like if I'm sitting next to someone on a plane, you know, and I'll say I'm a writer, okay? because in Nashville, no one's really proud of being a songwriter, you know that that's like being the pizza pizza delivery man in Nashville. <laughs> so yeah i'm a uh, I, do, I would introduce
1: myself as a writer. Uh, uh, and I write about the Bible. I guess mm-hmm. I don't know, but it goes way beyond that. I thought you were going to say I'm a slave of Jesus Christ.
0: Oh well, we all Bill Lane. You know, uh, all you need to know about me is I'm a man under authority, the authority of God's word. You know, I would I would rip I would rip that off. And yeah, I'm a slave of
1: Christ. <laughs> it but, all starts there, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, but I, I don't know. I'd be I'd almost be be reluctant to even say that about myself because I do that so poorly. But I can, in a broad, general way, say I'm a writer and and, uh, and not feel too guilty about that.
1: When did you write your first song? Uh,
0: wrote first song in, um, in high school, you know, probably for some girl. I think I had a crush on this girl in high school or junior high school and wrote some, you know, silly little song. The first real song I wrote, though, was in college for Bill. Bill gave me uh, a sermon that he'd done on uh, – Uh, John 21, the second miraculous catch of fish, and I wrote a song called Stranger on the Shore. I think that's the first real song I ever wrote.
1: When we first started doing radio together a few years back, uh, Bill Lane, your mentor, was still alive, Mm -hmm. and we actually got to bring Bill into the studio, so it was a wonderful privilege the last year or so of Bill's life for me to meet him and understand the relationship that the two of you had. Yeah, he ba- basically shared
0: the experience of dying, of uh, knowing that he had cancer, and he only had at one point six months to live. And he was uh, really transparent in those last months. It was uh, it was incredible. I thought that was an incredible time to, to, to sit with you and Bill because you you're, you're better at questioning and sort of moving moving the discussion along.
1: Well, you were always the student in Bill's presence. I'll, yeah, uh,
0: yeah. What do you think? You know. <laughs> phd from harvard 16 languages all these major commentaries i'm he reached out to me a lot of times he would say that you know i was his little brother in christ which was a you know which was a incredible compliment because it was really a father and son thing Mm -hmm. you know we 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 did get closer as the years went on uh so it was it 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 approached being a, a big brother and a little brother but uh he was just so many light years beyond any of us, really, uh, in his in his understanding of scripture. And uh, I miss him every
1: day. I don't know about you, but yeah. uh, he was a big. Presence. Well, I think of him often, yeah, uh, and and I think of the influence that he had on you, mm-hmm. and you in turn now are having on others through your music and mm-hmm. through your teaching and writing. Now, yeah, well, I, I it all hope. stems from something, right?
0: It does, yeah, yeah. We it, we are the um, uh, what's the right word. We're the stewards of you know what we receive from you know the older men and women of God, the the people that He puts in our lives, and we, yeah, we do become stewards of that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you've experienced loss, of mm-hmm. course, the loss of Bill Lane, yeah, um, who meant so much to you. Yep. Another man, a good friend, was Denny Denson. Yeah, Denny is with the Lord now.
0: Yeah, you got to be close. I did, you, and and I was with Denny about. 30 minutes before he died. If I'd stayed with him 30 more minutes, I would have been with him when he died. And that's, I really regretted that. And in fact, there's a, his last message to me, I've still got on my phone message box. So when I listen to all the messages, it's Denny, just barely coherent. I mean, he was kind of slipping in and out and it's, know, he's speaking really in a broken up sort of way about, you know, just wanted to call you back. My brother, you know, call later. And then he just hangs up the phone and, uh, so I, I hear that every couple of days, and and am reminded of of uh, of this another
1: huge uh, presence. And your mother died the same day as your best friend.
0: Yeah, and their funerals were the were the same day, and and all and all that happened after a two or three year process of looking at lament. So I was really teed up, you know, to say, okay, what am I going to do with this loss? You know, I've told everyone else that they're supposed to offer that up as an act of worship. So um and i hope i did that well um i hope i did that well
1: just because you thought about it and wrote about it didn't make it any easier I, for you did it yeah
0: and yeah and that doesn't mean i would necessarily do it <laughs> <laughs> but it, it 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 did prove you know lo and behold it did prove to be true that that's what you do with that stuff you know that uh my my loss of uh my mom and denny uh was something that 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 was a gift of of pain as it were and loss that i gave to the lord and it in in an odd sort of way, it makes me closer to the Lord because that's just one more thing we share mm-hmm. that and that, that only He is worthy to share those things with. It's an interesting it's an interesting uh, aspect of relationship that you come into. Um, death does something to you that nothing else does, mm-hmm. right? In your life, it does something to you that nothing else does, and uh, and to do that with the Lord is a pretty cool thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're always so good. I mean. Life is hard, mm-hmm. and it, we all experience that, yeah. uh, and you haven't been exempt from some of those hardships. Nope. But you seem to have a way of expressing that on behalf of all of us in a way that we would like to be able to express it, whether musically or in writing. Do you, do you think in those terms? Uh, well, I think that's part of my call. I think that's what songwriters and writers in
0: general do. They articulate things for us. Um, and and if, you're doing, if you're doing your job well, you articulate things in a way that people say, well, you know, I could have, if I would have just had the right time or the right moment, I would have said, you know, the same thing. Um, and I, I, oddly enough, James Taylor was always that person for me. I would listen to James Taylor, or I'd, I still listen to James Taylor, and I think, I could have written that, you know. So he's <laughs> this, gen- he is a musical genius, but he's so available, right? And uh, even someone like, well, I can't think of any other examples, like w- a Wendell Berry, who's a great writer that I really admire. Same sort of thing. Now, there, there are geniuses that are so beyond. Uh, you, for me, you read someone like Frederick Beekner, and you think, oh, that's so beautiful. I never could have never said that. Uh, so I've always believed that there, there are ty- different types of genius. There are genius. There's genius that really makes you think, I can do that. And there's genius that sort of shuts down your creativity. And when I hear Phil Kagi play the guitar, even though he's so incredible, I want to play the guitar. I think, hmm, I, if I just worked hard enough. <laughs> they make us better. <laughs> right. Right. Instead of instead of shutting us down. That that virtuoso level that everyone sort of, you know, is always fawning and groveling in front of. I'm not real interested in that, mm-hmm. actually.
1: Of course it starts with scripture, but you have a voracious appetite for just good
0: literature. I do. I like to read. Uh I think I got that from my mother. My mother was always reading something and always talking about it and um and and with the, the iPod era, I, I listened to a lot of audiobooks. and some of the ones that you you know that's so bizarre is to listen is to have you read me a book on my well, iPod.
1: L- let me tell you, it's bizarre to have Michael Carr listening to the books that I read.
0: <laughs> but it's 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 neat because it's it's like you're this friend. It's like we're you know we're sitting up and you're reading a book to me.
1: Mike, <laughs> how do you discover new things to to read and to latch onto?
0: Yeah there there's just so much out there and, and and with technology anything you're interested in um you know you google it and there's you know n- any number of books and uh um i just i just find this in- endlessly fascinating i'm sort of backed up really with uh i was i was just in singapore one of my favorite writers is a guy named Oliver Sacks who writes about the brain he was the the guy that the movie awakenings was all about and I, there was this this man in Singapore who was a neurosurgeon, and I, and I said, "Oh, you know, do you like Oliver Sacks?" "Oh, yeah." He goes, "Have you read?" And he named two or three other guys I'd never heard of. So I've got all their books sitting on my shelf now, waiting to read. And and you don't seem to be a casual reader. No, I'm I read pretty serious. I don't read anything boring. I don't have time for boring. You know, I, I read very little fiction. It's got to be, you know, it's got to get me in the first two chapters, or I've uh, my my wife susan is this diligent person who if she starts a book she'll always finish it And i go no if they don't get me in the first two chapters i'm out of there <laughs>
1: <laughs> and when you tackle a topic uh, you really dig deeply into research uh, try to, uh, you've yeah. done that i've seen you do that on a number of projects yeah so.
0: i try to and i'm doing the gospels now and that that's great fun just reading commentaries because there's a there's a, a mode that you get into when you read commentaries you can read commentaries actually very very quickly at least if it's st- stuff you're already familiar with because you'll hit You'll hit a paragraph or two, and you go, okay, I've heard this, I've heard this. And then, then ooh, you'll hit something new, and then you slow down. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy reading commentary.
1: And, and one thing leads to another. You have to follow the thread, don't you?
0: Yeah, and there'll be some reference or some article. And, again, Wayne, that's what's so great about technology now. There'll be some article in a journal. And what I don't have access to, which I, I wish I had better access to, is journals. Because all of the new thinking is in the journals. But, you know, there's there's software that you can get that has a lot of the journals, or you can go online and get some of them. And, uh, yeah,
1: it's, it's fun to, to, to run down topics, yeah. We'll have Part 2 of today's conversation with Michael Card coming up in just a moment here on First Person. My guest next week will be a man who witnessed the revolution in Romania. 1989, in December of that year, was the Romanian Revolution. And yeah, we were on the streets. I got, for the first time in my life, I got the machine gun, you know, in my hand. And people were fighting on the streets. And just an experience of a life and death. Now, more than 20 years later, he serves as the pastor of a growing church in Romania. A life transformed by Christ. We'll meet Christian Barboso next week on First Person. Let's pick up our conversation with Michael Card on First Person. I asked Mike, how do you approach studying God's Word? I think it's a mistake to uh, ever say, well,
0: I'm going to read it just for devotion, or I'm just going to read it just for you know scholarly purposes. Uh, and I think this is something that Bill taught both of us, Wayne. He always talked about this idea that you bring all of yourself to Scripture, all of your heart and all of your mind, and uh, and you have to engage uh, with your imagination, so that that's what's in my mind when I read scripture is this idea, and again, this is Bill's idea that I'm really I'm going to engage with it and interact with it. I mean, it's a, it's a voice, scripture's alive, right? It's this voice that's sort of speaking into your life, and and so you you know you realize that you have the freedom to ask questions, you have the freedom you know, to be disturbed and unsettled, because the Bible does that to you, it
1: should. Say more about biblical imagination. I know this is something you, you're really spending a lot yeah. of time with, yeah. uh, started with Bill Lane, yeah. you've got conferences now. What, what do you mean by biblical imagination?
0: Yeah, for me, really, the direction of, of probably the rest the rest of my life, of what I'm going to do, is, is going to be focused in terms of encouraging people to read the Bible with all their heart and all their mind, and, and to ask the right questions, and and, and Bill did that. that. That's Bill's statement. You know, you must engage with Scripture at the level of the informed imagination. That's straight out of Bill Lane. And, uh, and I was with him for 27 years watching him do that, but he never told us how. He never <laughs> developed, you know, developed. I think he, he just wanted us to, I guess, come up with our own approach, and so uh, I was forced to
1: do that. Yeah. Some people might be uncomfortable with imagination, thinking oh, they, that we're adding something. You said the informed imagination. Yeah,
0: and and I've already uh, we we started this biblical biblical imagination page on Facebook, and I've already got some angry people who quote, you know, the the only place the Bible, especially King King James, uses the word imagination, it's always negative when men in their sinful imaginations, right? And so there's this line of thought that that the imagination is bad and, you know, and, and that it's wrong to use the imagination when you approach scripture. Well, I definitely agree with the Bible that, that men have sinful imaginations because I've got a sinful <laughs> imagination, but that doesn't mean that I'm supposed to abandon that. I think that's one of the things that God is reclaiming and recreating by the Holy Spirit. And so, um, I'm, I'm beginning, beginning to uh, be convinced that the imagination is the, this link. In that God has created in all of us between our hearts and our minds, and that if i 'm going to come to the Bible with all my heart and with all my mind, I use my
1: imagination to to do that. Give us an example of the use of biblical the informed imagination with a biblical passage
0: okay well um you take a you take a passage uh, like Luke seven, where uh, Jesus is in the home of a Pharisee named Simon um, in the first place luke Luke is a companion of Paul correct? Mm -hmm. We know that. Uh, and that's just a fact, right? That I know. But then I ask myself, what does that mean? What does it mean that Luke is a companion of Paul, a Pharisee? What, what impact does that have on his writing? And lo and behold, when I look in Luke, I realize that, uh, the Pharisees aren't bad guys necessarily in Luke. In fact, only Luke shows us Jesus having meal fellowship three times with three different, uh, Pharisees or groups of Pharisees. And, uh, one of the meals goes pretty bad. Jesus ends up pronouncing the woes, and you know it's, it doesn't go well. But um, the 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 first and the and the third time he he has meal fellowship with Pharisees, it goes actually very well. And Simon in chapter seven is uh, that's when the woman comes in, the sinful woman weeps on Jesus' feet, and and um, and Simon is there, and um, he's thinking people who think. Things to themselves tend to be bad people in the in the gospel. Simon thinks to himself, "Well, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him and that sort of stuff." And that that's a great example, a great story where you engage with your imagination. You realize, okay, here's this Pharisee. If I've done my homework, I know that Luke is is uh, is not anti Pharisee, but he paints a very realistic picture of the Pharisees, and so I understand that Simon is is a good man. Simon's a good man and Jesus is there to be graceful and and to love Simon well and so si- uh, Jesus doesn't condemn Simon. He just says, "Simon, I have something to tell you." And very cordially Simon says, "Tell me, teacher." And and then Jesus goes on and tells this little parable and helps Simon to realize that he's never really seen this woman. And uh the the the, the operative the the moment is when Jesus is looking at, and and here again, you're using your imagination, but Luke says, looking at the woman Jesus said to Simon. So you don't read past that. You realize Jesus is looking at her, but he's talking to Simon, and he says to Simon, do you see this woman? And I think a lot of people just read right past that, but if you engage with your imagination, what you realize is Simon had never really seen her. And so I ask myself, are there people that I don't see? you know it's you know it's a great example. Yeah.
1: I I love that. Uh, the imagination is always held in check with the facts of scripture obviously.
0: Yeah, it's the informed imagination and I think that's a good point when it's not we just don't go off half cocked and 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 every now and then you'll hear a preacher do that yeah, and you know yeah. you kind of roll your eyes and think oh come on sort let's of be realizing real. the bible. Right, yeah. right. And no no we it's always within the confines and the constraints of of scripture and the facts but it's also a wonderful opportunity to do what Bill did, and that is to do your homework and, and understand. I mean, let's do some work. Let's find out
1: who Luke is. You know, let's, let, how is Luke different from the gospels and that sort of thing? And doesn't that make the scripture that much more rich to us that, that we have to invest something in? Yeah,
0: it, it should. Right. You're engaging. There, there's the word engage. Yeah. You're, uh, you don't just, I think too many Christians in America, we have this idea of the, oh, well, there's the expert Bible teacher. I'll, I'll listen to them, you know, I'll, or I'll buy their books or whatever, and then I'll agree or disagree with them. That's, that, I think that's very irresponsible. I think g- a good Bible teacher should do what Bill did and encourage you. You know, I'll give you the facts and I'll give you some of my ideas, but then you engage and create an appetite. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so the, the commentaries for me aren't the end, they're the beginning. That's where I, I, I start with commentaries. And then when I read the scripture, and when I read the scripture, I engage on my own. Yeah, what are you working on now, Michael? Uh, I just started Mark. I finished Luke, uh, the book that's coming out in January, and I'm I'm actually still working on the album on Luke. Uh, but study wise, I'm uh, I'm I'm working on Mark now, which which is wonderful because uh, Mark is a person that we we know you know we know something about. Uh, Matthew is next, and we don't know a whole lot about Matthew, so that's that's going to be harder. But Mark is this, you know, companion of, of Peter, and the Gospel of Mark is basically Peter's story. And uh, I, you know me, I, lo- I really love
1: Simon Peter. Yeah. So It's also interesting to me, that, like, for instance, I know that Ancient Faith is about to be re-released, uh-huh. or by the time this is aired, it has been re-released. Yeah. Uh, that's got to be gratifying. It is. I'm really thankful that Sparrow uh, is
0: willing to do that, and they asked me to write a new song. So uh, I never did Malachi I didn't. I never made it quite the way to the end of Scripture, and so I spent a couple of weeks and just had a wonderful time uh, in the Book of Malachi, and again, sort of engaged, you know, engaged with the Book of Malachi, which I hadn't really ever done before. And uh, interesting that the last book in the Bible, uh, you know, God opens the book by saying, "I have loved you." i never seen that before. So, like at the end of all this that He's been through, you know, with the with the children of Israel. He starts
1: out by saying, "You know, I I have yeah, loved there you." Strong language. In I there, have loved there. you. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that that is remarkable. Yeah, I know you get this question a lot from from young people who want to do, who admire what you've done, want mm-hmm. to do what you do, or take it even in a different direction. But creativity. How do you answer the question about where do I start? and How do I get as creative as you are? Well, I, I don't want them to be as creative <laughs> as I, <laughs> you want me I want, better. I want them to
0: be better. <laughs> yeah. Um, because that's a it's a struggle and a burden. Um, uh, you know, I don't know. I I, I, I I know you want to mentor people. I, I want to encourage people. I want to mentor the people that that God brings kind of within my reach. As Scott Rowley would say, um, uh, yeah, I, I'd like to you know walk with with those those guys. Um, yeah, I I don't know if there's a specific one thing that I say to those people because everyone's different. Uh, some people, a lot of people, I. Uh, really discouraged because I think some people don't have they haven't determined whether they're really called to to do to do it right. or not. It
1: sounds like it'd be fun. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, and and I always encourage them to go back to their community because I you know me I believe that your community helps mm-hmm. you determine your calling. Mm-hmm. And but there are people. I mean, I, I walk pretty closely with Andrew Peterson, and. um phenomenal terrific you song got more creativity mm-hmm. in the dirt under his fingers <laughs> than i have in my whole body huh. and a tremendous admiration for his work mm-hmm. yeah great guy
1: well i think your best years are ahead and i i really as your friend well, thank you mean that because mm-hmm. i i see how god is using you and i see you as a mentor not just in music uh-huh. but in how to approach the scriptures that and ultimately that's going to serve people far better
0: well that I'll tell you. I mean, I, I thanks thanks for saying that, and and I, I hope that's true because that would be you know at the end, you know, because I'm closer now to the end than I'm the beginning. <laughs> oh, um, let's not get modeling <laughs> here. Well, well, it's, it's very uh, Mug um, Mug Muggeridge, Muggeridgean. You know, Malcolm <laughs> Muggeridge had this sort of preoccupation with death. He talked about it all the time, and I've I've read too much Muggeridge to have not been impacted by that. But uh, that would be I would I would love for people to say that at the you know at the end of my life to say, you know, not, oh wow, that was a great song, but to say, yeah, I, I engage with the Bible differently because, you know, I cross path with this this guy. That would be a great thing. Be encouraging.
1: Michael Card in a reflective moment, and we've learned much through his music for many years. Now it's not only his music, but his Bible teaching that's feeding our soul. The best way to learn more about Mike Card in his latest CDs and books is to visit our webpage, firstpersoninterview.com, and follow the links to his website. You'll also learn about his biblical imagination conferences. And since our conversation, Mike has written a book on Luke, the Gospel of Amazement with an accompanying CD and is now working on a book about Mark's gospel along with 10 more songs. Well, this interview and all of our programs are archived on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. There you can also learn about our podcast available on iTunes as an automatic download each week to your computer. Subscribe online at firstpersoninterview.com. When you join us for next week's conversation, you'll hear the testimony of a young Romanian pastor, Christian Barboso, who grew up under communism. Now he's the pastor of a growing contemporary church in Romania, which has already established many other churches in that country and is even sending out missionaries. Now, for my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. I hope you'll join us next week at the same time for First Person.